This episode of Beyond is brought to you by Forhims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Okay. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to IGN Beyond, episode 555, the likes of which you have never seen before and will never see again. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. I am your host for this week. But before we begin, a quick reminder. Beyond is live every week at 3 p.m. Pacific on beyond.ign.com on Wednesdays. Make sure to come to beyond.ign.com every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific to get the show. It will be there for a full 24 hours before it gets to any other service you're used to on Thursdays. So always come there every Wednesday. Now we're going to get to the show. We have a lot to talk about this week. I'm joined by Brian Altana. Hello. Max Scoville. Howdy. And Brendan Graber. I'm so confused. What's going on here? Quite a lot is going on. We're going to be talking about We Happy Few, uh, God of War talking, uh, kind of dropping off the digital sales charts on PS4, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. We got a brand new trailer for that, and it looks gorgeous. We're also going to talk about The Walking Dead, the final season from Telltale, and a lot more. Before we begin, though, we did want to address a little bit of the show. Uh, for those who have been watching for a long time, you may have noticed a bit of an inconsistent cast. Where recently. is Greg Miller? Where is Colin? Oh, boy, I have a lot to I stopped on. watching the show the second those boys took off and i don't know who any of these folks are are you saying i shouldn't be here right now <laughs> no brandon you're permanent now i'm sorry you're here oh, you're here on every show cool? on ign uh no we we know that you especially uh fans in the beyond group fans on twitter everywhere have been asking about the consistency the inconsistent cast and we do want you to know we're aware of that and we are trying to figure out what makes sense for the show most consistently going forward. That matters to us that there is a good flow to the show, a good chemistry among the cast, and we really want to make the best show for you. And to do that, it takes some experimentation. And for that, you, you, you are becoming the permanent host of the show now and forever. No, I'm just kidding. Can I, can I <laughs> my I don't know. Now and forever? Yeah, I vote for that guy. He's, he's pretty cool. I'm just, I think I'm he's just pretty good. Thank yeah. you. No, I, mean, I agree. Jonathan's doing a great job. Thank I, you. Wait, hold on. You guys haven't decided yet? Who, <laughs> who is the, the host of the show? I don't know. You introduced the Barrett, show. I think no. you did a pretty good job. Thank you. Barrett's not here. He's in the back somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but no, like I was, I was. let's see, I got married two weeks ago and I was on a live stream last week and then three weeks before that it was a bachelor party and Comic-Con was in there somewhere. So like... I don't know. I was just very busy for a while, but I'm not. I'm not disappearing into the ether. Of but course. I think it's it's awesome to have you swapping in and taking over for a bit. Well, thank you. Uh, so you know, with without further ado, uh, why don't you why don't you host this show and talk about we happy few. Tried to get in the rhyme in there before it was too late. Uh, yeah, we're talking about We Happy Few. Brendan Graber, you're on the show because you reviewed We Happy Few. Well, that's why I'm here. Yeah, right. what'd you give it? Uh, Seven point three. Good. It's good. Good dot. I don't know what a three good, stands good for. Good point. Three. Good dot three. Good point is, three. Like a three is what is that terrible? It's good and a little bit, little bit terrible. A little bit of terrible spirit. Yeah, like, is that what the decimals the for? Is that, like, is that like Dolby surround sound? We should probably like the first Maybe. Is like the big number, and then it's like the subwoofer comes out. People after. try to equate that to like, they're like, that's a C minus. I'm like, not really. It's a capital yeah. G-O-O and a lowercase d. Good. Oh, it's a good. It's a good. I like uh. that. So tell us about We Happy Few. Uh, so yeah, I could tell it's been a divisive game for a lot of people. Um it has its share of problems. I think that's like if you have to go back and look at the history of this game, it started out with like on the wrong foot of having this really cool E3 showcase and then going to early acts with a different premise than what people thought it was going to be. Because everyone saw like the creepy masks and like the the spooky vibes like, oh, it's Bioshock. It's Bioshock. Yep. It's not Bioshock. At its heart, it was supposed to be a survival crafting simulator 
in a really weird dystopian British place of randomized islands. And I think because of their early access, they realized from their fans that like, hey, we kind of need to pivot. People want that story. People want to know what's going on with the joy pills. Why are these people, how do these people get like this? So like, I think they made a pivot, but it may have come too late. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. they decided to reuse those randomized islands as assets. The other thing that happened was they put the so they put like a kind of a, a loose non-story driven version of this out on kind of early access. Mm-hmm. And so people kind of got under the hood first and then this this is a rare occasion because it was sort of the design by committee you see with a AAA game where like, you know, they bring in a bunch of focus groups and they're like, "We want to have all these things, but also this thing and all, some of this stuff too." Uh, except it was kind of open with the public and so they were actually taking people who were playing their their games uh feedback and you know implementing it which is you know it's that's kind of bittersweet like i think that they again like looking at this it did look very bioshocky yeah initially uh and they kind of they took what was going to be i think very informed by like don't starve and they turned it into something bioshocky but so for people listening that don't have any idea what this game is what is this game like in a <laughs> sentence is it's a first person shooter with not even shooter no. first person <laughs> more survival focus. yeah first person yeah. survival British crafting humor okay and uh, drugs British crafting it's, humor lots of, <laughs> lots of happy <laughs> together at last yeah. <laughs> it's uh, so I think if you, the survival term is odd, I would say it's almost like a self-care simulator. Yeah. Yeah, and the early access, because I like I wrote the guide for a lot of the early access missions, and then back in early access, if you didn't like eat or drink every like ten minutes, you'd start dying. Like, That's true you, in real life too. It is every ten um, minutes. And so I don't think a lot of people like that. So now it's more of like a buff debuff system where if you don't eat for like thirty minutes in game. You get like a slight stamina debuff, mm-hmm. but you eat one carrot and you're good to go for another thirty minutes. So I I kind of like that uh, that approach. That like, hey, let's not have this. You worrying about dying because I think with that you were so focused on trying to survive that you kind of ignored everything else. Like, oh, I got to go through this trash can again. Right. I think that's what's so fascinating about uh, early access as just a general concept with video games because like in some ways you show your hand too early. In other ways, you give people a version of a product that will not necessarily be indicative of the way the final version ships. Mm-hmm. And some people might like what you give them early on and others might, you know, sort of repel against it and say I want something different. So are, are do you do you recommend buying the final version of this like Having, I know you've been you've been in there since since you could first play this game, right? Like, is this for somebody coming in blind as a product on a shelf? Should they pick this up and play it on PS4? I mean, I don't know their wallet situation. It is sixty dollars, mm-hmm. which I feel like is kind of on the high side. I know they got picked up by Microsoft, and like now it's like Gearbox published. Yeah, Gearbox published yeah. it. So um, it does have its share of problems, mm-hmm. uh, not more than I would say like Fallout Four. Uh, like I, I can't. I ran into some bugs, but like nothing game breaking for me. Like mm-hmm. people would be sitting on the ground, or they'd be like stuck in a doorway, or they would like say the wrong thing. But like never like it got to the point where I had to like restart my game, or mm-hmm. I had to reload it like an earlier file. Uh, how long do you, did it take you to sort of complete or see everything? That- it is very meaty, much more than I thought it would be, because it goes across three different character stories, and they're kind of individual tales in this whole weird universe. Um, I would say like the first person you play as Arthur, he's like the bulk of it, maybe like 25 to 30 hours for oh, his wow. story. And there's lots of side quests and they're very intertwined. Like someone's side quest character that you meet, like he's like, you know, uh, a disabled guy. You need to like, you know, save him from some bad guys. In, a, in another person's story, he's a main character of that of their main story quest. Right. And the way they intertwine that's pretty neat. 
And I think also like the stories they tell are very well done when they get to those points because there's like that randomized island setup where everything's procedural and these little towns you go to, either like the burned out village district where all the, the hobos live or the nice village where all the mask wearing crazy people live. But they're all like random city streets that are just copy and pasted in different mm-hmm. ways. And every so often you'll find either a side quest area or a main quest area. And those areas are where the actual story gets told. Got it. And so it's the, kind of a slog to get through some of those. Yeah. I, so, some of the level variety was a little lacking then. Yeah. I, I've had that problem with uh, the first couple hours of the game. I'm about maybe four or five in. And you get to those, you're in a lot of the randomized areas first. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of interest. And also because it's some of the more copy-paste stuff, it feels assets load in very slowly. There's a ton of pop in. None of it feels very original when I get to it. So I kind of just felt like I should streamline past to get to the good part. D- does it take a very long time to get to a good part? Or how did you feel about the progression of that first story? Yeah, I'd say the progression was kind of off kilter. Like the very intro area you're in was mm-hmm. handcrafted. And yeah. then like right out the gate, then it goes back to randomly generated. And even in the first like good village you get to, it's still randomly generated. And it wasn't until I would say like a little more than five hours maybe, maybe more side quests or maybe less, that they're like, hey, you should go check out like this joint manufacturing plant. And that's when like things get a little more Bioshock, where things are a little more linear. There's like people with purpose, there's notes and clues, there's so, environmental storytelling. Are those sections still randomly generated? No. Those- that's, so, that's so interesting to me that there's it funnels you through randomly generated and then like sort of very determined areas. Yeah, so yeah. like there'll be, the town will be a weird layout, but there'll always be a manufacturing plant there. There'll always mm-hmm. be a side quest here, and there'll always, always be a, a mansion pass. here. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just never know where it's going to be in each playthrough. How so, did you feel about the combat, like, in terms of the... I, I was, I'm seeing a lot of, like, melee stuff that seems very bashy and stabby. I mean... It's bashy, stabby. Yeah, as you craft, you get more, like, grenades or weapon types or, you know, chemicals to take to increase your combat prowess. I think it was... It was a nice little like loop to try and find the better stuff. Like every time you do a side quest or you find a new safe house, you find more recipes, which means digging through more junk to get better stuff. Got it. And you can like mod new weapons that like have like you know electrical attacks on them. Um, it's still very just like smacky smack, block, block, smack. And then like if you're in town, I think one of the biggest cons that they try and push is like you have to conform in this weird society. So if you're in the nice areas, you have to take your joy pills. You have to like dress nicely or people will start to freak out. But then when I realized that like there's a very light stealth mechanic here where if you run and people are chasing you and you find a trash can, if you hide in there and people don't see you jump in, they can't find you. Oh. Even if there's like 20 people around the trash can, they can't find you. If they didn't see you go in, they'll never check it. So it's like Assassin's Creed haystack logic. Yeah. Sitting down on a bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I played, like the AI is, is not, it's not super smart. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, the whole thing is everyone else is on drugs. So their attention span is kind of like, like they're all, everyone's taking what the dev described as a cross between like antidepressants and roofies. So you're like, I mean, that's what your joy pills are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually explain the- uh, We've all been there. The procedural generation is uh, supposed to be less about like, um, you know, just a game mechanic and more like, oh, maybe your character isn't remembering things clearly. 
You know, like when in like in a dream when everything sort of shuffles around location-wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. which it, is really which yeah. is cool. I do yeah. think the it's very interesting. I did get to a point where finally my character took some of the joy, and the difference in the environment is so cool to see. And there's really, I love the aesthetic of this game. I'm really torn on it because the world and the ideas they have in terms of like referencing some Beatles songs as like main side characters and the way the uh, prim and proper people are versus the people who aren't on Joy. There's a lot of like fascinating stuff to this world, and I know that they some studio I forget who. Who actually already bought the movie rights to this game really before oh. it came out yeah uh so yeah. like there is something to this core idea but i keep going back and forth between like these very cool areas where it is bespoke and it matters what i do and these other areas where it's this big open field with a bunch of buildings and i'm just running through it because i know none of it really matters yeah i definitely do think like it's you have to power through the randomized stuff to get into the story. And I really like what they had to say. Like, there was what I thought this game was going to be about. Like, I thought it was going to be about, you know, it's the gov- big bad government's going to make you take your pills. But, like, there's more depth to why they're taking these this, medica- this medication, why it's just this area out of all of Britain, mm-hmm. and how, like, this alternate take on, like, post-World War II settings have... It's less about, you know, wanting to be like an opioid crisis and more about wanting to forget your problems and wanting to forget what you don't want to confront in your own past. So even the main characters all have something they don't want to like come to terms with and seeing their progression of them realizing like, oh, I did this bad thing. Like no wonder to like, like why did you join the first place? And then as their memory comes back, they're like, oh, I'm not such a great person after all. <laughs> the writing's also like pretty solid from what I saw. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's almost, it's it's bittersweet that it's like here, uh, it's a procedurally generated survival game and everyone's like, yeah, but what about the story? And they were like, oh, I guess we'll we'll put that in there too because mm-hmm. they kind of, they're almost antithetical in that sense. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, as far as the, the sort of Bioshocky thing of poking around and reading notes and like digging into drawers and eating stuff out of garbage cans, like there's definitely plenty of that there. Uh, what yeah, kind of stuff do you eat out of the garbage cans? Uh, like rotten carrots. That's you can great. get food poisoning really easily. Yeah. That's oh, strange. really? Blown up but you, can, you yeah. can craft a thing that makes you throw up, so you get rid of the... Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You can that's craft that's a one of the features of tea. Oh. So you just stop being sick by... Bioshock up. Infinite was missing that feature. You could pretty sick much eat tea. anything and knock it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the the problem is that the idea of a survival mechanic or a survival game is like, it's it walks that fine line of like... Is this fun? You know, like it is. It isn't that immediate like power fantasy thing where you're like, I'm gonna go out and kick some ass. It's more like, yes, will I will I starve to death or not? <laughs> like, I I can get dehydrated in real life pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, you know, drinking a large thing of water here, but like it's I don't know in a game, it's like that's just that's kind of babysitting. You know, it's resource management. No, also, totally. Yeah. And also some people like are into you know the yeah. like the act of conformity was kind of undermined by. Running past everybody and jumping in a trash can for five minutes. Well, also they get mad if they see you running, which is again is like I don't know, like you can't really speed run this game. Like you got to sort of power walk it. <laughs> yeah, you can eventually get skills. I think for two of the three characters, so yeah. that it's just called the OU perk, and they just don't care. Yeah, yeah. there's a there's a pretty <laughs> lengthy skill tree, and it's nice that some of them relate to the actual mechanics, but also to the way other characters react to you, which yeah, is really right, cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so seven point three. You can read Brendan's full review, and the video review is up now, too, so mm-hmm. you can check that out. Uh, I'm weirdly compelled to keep going, even though I don't, I'm don't. i not sure I've had fun playing, but I have. It's enjoyed. almost like those JRPGs, like, oh, you got to play for 30 hours before it really gets good. Like, I yeah. hate to use that like line, but like the beginning can be a little bit of a slog, yeah. but there is a good story that I think is worth telling in there. Cool. So another game with a great story this year that we uh, reviewed a little higher, God of War. On PS4? A little bit higher. Yeah, just a little bit higher. Wait, which one was that? Uh, it was the one Drugs. with the guy. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. And the other littler guy. And the littler guy. The boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
The BOI. Uh, So God of War, interestingly enough, on the PSN top downloads list, which the PlayStation blog publishes every month, it dropped off the top 10 downloads in July. Uh, In June, it was number three on that list. And in June, it was also the number two game on MPD, which tracks physical game sales. Uh, So it has been selling very well. MPD also told IGN uh, for June that it was the fastest selling PlayStation exclusive ever since MPD is tracking. So the game sold phenomenally well out the gate and for the first month and a half, but at least digitally it has disappeared off that store. I have a theory about that, but one, I want to know what you all thought about that and who hasn't bought God of War, who wanted to buy God of War yet. Well, (laughs) that's an interesting question in an industry where Grand Theft Auto V consistently dominates the conversation and sales charts. Every single month I go, who hasn't bought GTA V yet? And the answer is millions of people and, and you. And me. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I you problem. should check out Grand Theft Auto V in the official wiki on IGN.com. JR plays it right next to you. <laughs> I just live vicariously through him. Fair. You really haven't? You, you Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I okay. got problems. <laughs> Man, that was reviewed on IGN like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like a really big the record. remaster. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're probably going to get one of those. On yeah, you'll definitely get one of those. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think with a game like GTA V... There's the long tail of knowing that there's online, and it's sort of like this endless sandbox. With God of War, um, it is a straightforward, you know, with some minor meandering, single-player campaign that can be defeated in X amount of hours. And maybe that, you know, maybe we should be a little worried about that. Like, I I know that we're constantly like, hey, that's not a big deal, and, you know, uh, single-player is here to stay. And it is. It's not going away. I don't want to be one of those, like, doing, you know... single player yeah. truthers yeah somebody yeah. comes out and says because those those are my games so that would really bum me out but I do think that they lack the long tail of something I like. mean yeah like God of War uh, doesn't have any online components and it mm-hmm. doesn't have uh, you know DLC meanwhile GTA does and like l- literally this week they put out like rocket bikes with yeah. missiles on them or whatever Yep. and that game came out in 2013 so yeah. they're always kind of like hey Here's some new stuff for this week. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious. Like, we usually see a bump on game sales when they come out with a game of the year edition or like whatever, you know, the, the collected edition, the overkill edition, whatever the hell they call it. There's always that one that comes out, especially for games that come out earlier in the year, like God of War did. When holiday season rolls around, they're like, here's this with a new box cover, and maybe there's some bonus thing in there. What are they going to put in for God of War if, you know, there's, what, what do they put in to give it a boost? If All the no- patches have been free with New Game Plus will be free from August 20th. So unless there is more content somewhere down the line that they haven't discussed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could just be on the edition. disc versus updates if it's a physical edition. I know there's been like, lately Left 4 Dead had a collector's edition or a Game of the Year edition that would just like, hey, here's the update that we put in for free, but it's in the box now. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a rule book per yeah, se, really right? Like, I guess any publisher is free to just say, hey, it's our Game of the Year edition. I mean, this will undoubtedly be nominated for... Game of the year. I think currently it's probably mine. I mean, I don't know about the I rest mean, of you guys. I mean, I wonder but. if they're sitting on anything that they're gonna they're gonna drop like to be like, oh, hey, here's a a short film, a documentary, like a uh, maybe it's cosmetic stuff, maybe it's uh, here's a skin of Kratos from God of War One. I, I think you know? putting a, a a decent marketing campaign or at least a marketing push behind uh, the new game plus thing will entice a lot of people to go back. Um, it might give me a nudge to play through one more time. I think for people who are worried about it not really lasting for the duration of their sixty dollars, like something like GTA would, that will you know effectively double your your play time with that game. So um, 
I think that's a smart thing to do. Obviously, Black Friday sales, possibly a bundle with a, with a pro this fall would be nice. Yeah. Um, I think something curious about cosmetics that they could do with the game if they want to give it somewhat of a tale like that is there were shield DLC cosmetic skins that you could get yeah. as an exclusive from Best Buy. Mm. And it would unlock a menu that is not available in the game normally. That's bizarre. Unless you had those extra skins. At least we couldn't find a way to make that. Yeah. Uh, sure. menu reveal itself so they could do that if they want to extend the life of it my thing is too we don't know mpd sales for july yet so it's yep. possible it sold well physically it was number two in june and my theory is that a lot of people who aren't tuned into gaming and ign and sites like this and youtube and everything they don't they buy digital the yep. people who are tuned in buy digital people who hear buzz about this game go buy physical for their kids or for family members and things so that could continue its tail at physical even if it drops off digitally i think yeah no you're totally right i have a feeling i mean if it was number two two months ago i think last month it'll it'll probably be in the five to ten range yeah well, there's also um, the discoverability issue that we've talked about, about the, the PlayStation Store. Uh, unless somebody's flipped the Switch and given the marketing money the right push, whatever, if you're looking for a particular game, you got to go through that weird-ass searching thing unless it's, like, right there front and center. And it's been a few months. I mean, I wonder if they kind of pumped the brakes on God of War's, uh, you know, marketing or if they're holding off until it's kind of closer to holiday season. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'll if you walk into, you know, GameStop and... You know, there's like a Kratos cutout, and he's like, "Got a war available now." And I would like, honestly, I would love to do like a feature on IGN, or even just a conversation on Beyond or Up at Noon, or some one of our other shows that sort of talks about the 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 pluses and minuses or best and worst parts of the three or four major digital storefronts and what each of them can learn from each other. Because I think there's a lot of stuff that PlayStation does well, um, lacking in other departments. I think that like Switch has a really good job of sort of taking indie games and AAA first-party games, putting them all next to each other. But then once they fall off that first page, they're almost gone forever. So um, yeah, discoverability is a huge issue. And as we sort of careen towards a undoubtedly all digital future eventually, you know, again, don't shoot the messenger on that. Uh, I think that's going to be a bigger problem. So. Yeah, these these storefronts have to adapt and they all have issues for sure. Yep. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. One game you can't buy yet physical or digital, but you can pre-order it. Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out uh, this October and we got a brand new gameplay trailer. So we actually got to see the game in action, learned a little bit about the gameplay itself. And Rockstar also confirmed that what you were seeing was 4K from PS4 Pro. It is confirmed to run in 4K on PS4 Pro, mm -hmm. and that game looks stunning. There are so many little details that shocked me about this trailer, I don't know about you guys, but things in the way like the mud moves, there is yeah. so much texture and realism to just the forests and the mud and the water and everything that I'm floored by how it all looks. Mm -hmm. How so did they, you all feel about this? They did confirm this? this was running on a PS4 Pro. Or, excuse me, yes, yeah, they've just confirmed that it will be able to run in 4K on PS4 Pro. Okay, but what do we know for sure that's the footage that we saw? I'm gonna double check that, I believe. Because okay. I, I would you, be interested to see, I mean, which which platform they pushed for that footage specifically? Yeah. Well, they do have a partnership with Sony. So yeah, no, it definitely. definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, when I saw GTA Five uh, behind closed doors a million years ago, they had I noticed that it was like, oh, that's a that's a PS3 it's running on. So they've they've been buddy buddy for a long time. Uh, but yeah, this is I mean, I yeah I believe it. Like based on what we've seen, like you look at something like uh, you know God of War or Horizon. Like we're at that point where you can have games like this, and those are not games that have been made from a bottomless money pit that no. Rockstar has because of GTA 5 like right, those were right, made right. on a probably little bit of a tighter schedule and this is like this is this is what it looks like when you make the best selling piece of media ever and then people go what next mm -hmm. and you make this I yeah. know we had like a their little feature on like the top 100 little things in GTA 5 we had to have like a thousand for this game yeah oh yeah 
Um, I think what uh, is really special about this game, the character models are awesome, the animation's really good, but the lighting and the shadow work and like the sort of the HDR sunsets and stuff that we're right seeing there. Oh, is, is like what really, like it's really hard to explain to people that don't really play like on HDR TV sets, but when like a really it's it's like there's not a lot of things that really define this generation in terms of graphics, but that's kind of one of them. Like just seeing seeing sunlight come through or lighting that's just really strong and really prominent is so subtle and so beautiful. And I think that's really going to set the tone in this game. So much of this game is about that, you know, is mm -hmm. it is around, about sunsets and sunrise and hunting and being out in the middle of nowhere. And I think it's, it's totally nailing that. It's just an incredibly stunning video game. It is taking all of its cues, especially to, at least in the story trailer so far, clearly from cinema and yeah. so much that has inspired the Western genre. So yep. to see all that in action, I did confirm it said on the PlayStation blog, captured entirely from in-game footage on PlayStation 4 Pro. Watch this introduction to oh, Red cool. Dead Redemption 2's gameplay in 4K. Awesome. Oh, so, we yeah. are at the best part of the console life cycle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's just got, and you know that, Jonathan, it's got just an incredibly filmic look, you know? It I just, would... I would argue that it's uh, much more informed by paintings. Oh, yeah, no, say. for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, obviously, it's drawing heavily from... But, I mean, like, you look at so many Westerns, and the cinematography's great, but, like, the, the clarity and the detail and the depth, like, you don't get that so much with, like, spaghetti Westerns and things like that. Yeah, like, about the muddy, the fog rising, like, that's... Yeah, I mean, you look at some, uh, you know, Albert Bierstadt paintings or like the like Rocky Mountain School, and it was these yeah, yeah, yeah. go out and you know in the West and they you know sit up on a mountain and just paint like this stuff. Like uh, it was, um, I think Luminism was was the painting movement. I'm yep. starting to get all art school here, but like this <laughs> no, is, no, uh, you're totally right. Yeah, there's uh, the De Young Museum in, in San Francisco has a whole section devoted to like kind of effectively Wild West landscape painters, and that's the one of the first things that jumped out at me when they first showed off this game is that it. Like, look at the clouds. Look at the stuff in the distance. Obviously, everything that's up front is incredible, but there's this, like, there's this kind of a, almost awe of, like, the sort of the scenic grandeur of the whole thing. Um, and it's, it, it, the way it's, I mean, obviously, it's a third-person shooter, so the way it's framed is, is sort of limited in that sense. Uh, well, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a weird sort of natural haze over this game and in the N64 days we called that fog and that was a technical <laughs> limitation you couldn't see where Turok was going to jump yeah. but nowadays that 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 is effectively the way it's capturing the way the world looks but also in the way a lot of sort of classic painters painted you know there was that there was that kind of gloss to things there was a sheen to that look um, the way oil, oil oil paint would shimmer on a canvas I think they're nailing here and I think that's sort of married to the cinematography that we saw in some in some great westerns so all of that coming together with you know the fact that it's Rockstar making this like endlessly limitless open world is just nuts. <laughs> it's just so cool. It's just so cool this is happening. I also like I am I I've been so beaten in the submission of being excited about this game that I'm also just on the other foot wary so that when I saw the gameplay trailer, I could have sworn it would end with a well, here's the bad news. It's getting delayed to 2019. <laughs> and it's not. It's here. It's going to be here in like two months, which is crazy. It's full of horse dressage. Yep. <laughs> I so it's a great trailer. Uh, before, GTA, Animals. <laughs> before GTA came out, uh, we'd, we'd seen nothing. We'd seen that one sort of cinematic trailer. There's the one brief gameplay thing. And then I was working at Rev3 Games, and uh, we had Adam Sessler basically locked in a room reviewing this. And I got to go in... Uh, and he was in the middle of, uh, I think it's one of the one of the heists where uh, Franklin gets on a jet ski and has to flee the cops. And it was the first time I'd really seen the ocean in that game. And this is this is a there was a uh, running on a 360, I think. Yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't anything fancy. It was just that was what it was looking like at the time. And just standing there, just staring at the sheer like density of detail. And that's that's GTA Five. This is what six six years later or something mm -hmm. like that. 
It's been a minute. Yeah, the, the level both in just the gameplay and the visuals itself are stunning. There are a lot of little notes here. Uh, John Ryan, one of our uh, Wiki team members, he got to go to Rockstar and see a lot more of the game. You can see a ton of that, uh, his impressions, conversations with him on IGN.com right now. He also was on Podcast Unlocked, our nemesis, and he discussed the game a bit there. They're not, they're good friends. Uh, so you can Come go for listen. You, McCaffrey. It's those. <laughs> At NVC, we got to take them. that's true. <laughs> Pair, don't, don't attack those children with their baby's toy. I'll see you guys later. Hey. Me on an NVC, uh, my own ass. There is a ton more Red Dead Redemption 2 coverage on IGN, courtesy of JR and our wonderful team. So be sure to look out for all of that. Uh, before we take a quick break, did want to touch on a little bit of news. Patrick Sutherland, the chief design officer currently at EA, has left after a very long tenure at that company. He used to sort of be the face of Battlefield, essentially, for that company. And he's really been a big proponent of so much of their evolution in the last few years. Uh, obviously, this is a more behind-the-scenes change, and we won't know what the effects of that are, but mm -hmm. it is a huge leadership role leaving. How Do any of you think this will see a major impact EA immediately, or do you think this will be more of a down-the-road um, I don't know about immediately, but this definitely is tied to some of the financial troubles that they've and stumbles they've gone through over the last few years on a personal note and max and i have no shortage of us audibly complaining about this but the uh, the sort of to a bigger picture mishandling uh to be blunt about the, the star wars franchise has been uh cumbersome and annoying i think that the way the brand new star wars game was announced 83 was Appa appalling yeah <laughs> i'll say um not even having a logo or anything I, I i wonder what what this means for some of the smaller indie titles underneath their branch i mean ea people look at ea and gamers in general kind of have this distaste for them they're seen as this sort of like big entity that spits out annual franchise titles and in many ways they do that but they're also a fantastic collection of studios that is really good at making really gorgeous really well polished and um really original like independent games as well. I mean, some of the coolest smaller games have come through that label over the last few years. So I don't know what this means. I mean, it's a big, it's, it will be a big shakeup and I don't think we'll see the immediate um, sort of reactions to it and ramifications right, just right off the bat. But I do think that things will change. I don't know if they'll be for the better uh, or for the worse, but. We'll have to wait we'll and see. see. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it was, it's interesting kind of to look into that. Uh, I think it was Kotaku had a piece up on uh, sort of Soderlund's, um, I guess recent, finances and it was like he made i think it was 43 million dollars last year mm -hmm. and like 20 million of that was a bonus to get him to stay yeah I which i can't even fathom yeah like that's such an i don't know what you i don't know what you do to warrant that much money and <laughs> i don't know what you do with that much money yeah to like one guy you know, like to be like, hey, uh, yeah, here's like, um, you're gonna get a fifty percent bonus, which, oh, by the way, is already like a well, you because know, like, like the <laughs> a country's income. That desert <laughs> island hypothetical is usually like, would you quit your job for a million dollars? Not would you stay for twenty? 20 million. <laughs> like, it's the kind of thing where it's just like it reaches a point of money where I just don't understand it anymore. Yeah, like I'm uh, like, I, okay, if you give me a million dollars, the number one thing I, just to do this real quick, <laughs> the number one thing I would do, I think I would eat, I would eat better food i i really well already but i would eat the kind of food where i'd be like oh you guys you brought in like rare cows from you know i'm wagyu beef from japan and, and shit like that i'm <laughs> eating like great food all the time travel more and stuff like that 20 million dollars like what the f <laughs> why do you i mean <laughs> i wouldn't even know where to start how is that a good business move to be like all right this guy uh he already made <laughs> he already made like 43 million dollars yeah. you know however much 23 million dollars this year uh Man, we really want him to come back to work. Let's give him another twenty. <laughs> like, what? 
like and also like they did this the, the I think the median EA salary is like ninety six thousand dollars. Yeah, ninety six million. Ninety six million dollars. <laughs> they were they were short changing that dude. Yeah, yeah it was real rough. Uh, no, but like the. Like ninety six thousand dollars a year, that sounds like a ton of money. But if you're living in, uh, you know, the the Bay Area, that's that's not that's not a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's incredibly expensive to live here. Um, we don't make that much. <laughs> that's a, that's, um, it's, it's crazy. Twenty yeah. million dollars, and then you know what? Your game doesn't. Your Star Wars game doesn't have a logo. <laughs> you don't have Dengar. So that's where the money was. <laughs> you don't have. Dengar. This yeah. has all been about Dengar. Um, Obviously, him them wanting to give him that bonus. Clearly, they want to keep him to stay. It's very curious to see how this will change EA going forward. Uh, I imagine it'll leave I a big we'll shift on the corporate Dengar. level. <laughs> Finally, we'll get Dengar because Patrick Sutherland. Do you want to play? He, just buys, he buys the rights to just Dengar, and he's like, "Great news, everybody! I'm making Battlefront Dengar." Did they not it's put Dengar? only Dengar? Didn't they put Dengar. Oh, in the did they? I don't remember. Man. I thought did. they did. And with did. all of that Dengar talk, we're going to take a quick Dengar break, and we'll be back shortly. Highway, Highway to, to the, the Dengar, Dengar zone. zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with Hims, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhymns.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhymns.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Beyond. No one else? Okay, I thought yeah, we could just enter the middle already. of the show. I just like to say it. We already did that. It's beyond. Just fun. Okay, Beyond. This is episode 555. I wanted to give... A fake phone number in a movie. Our new guest, Cassidy Moser, who has joined us for the panel, a chance to say Beyond. Beyond. There we go. Thank you. That's what I was Cassidy. looking for. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for joining us for Podcast Beyond episode 555. Thank you for beyond. having me here today, Brian. <laughs> it's always lovely to be here in San Francisco. You work here, so that's good. <laughs> What nice pleasantries among coworkers. I agree. Uh, Cassidy, you <laughs> reviewed The Walking Dead, the final season, episode one. That is a lot to say. Is there also it's a subtitle? Maybe the most mouthful I've ever had for a game review, yes. It, excuse me, Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, colon, the final season, episode one. My favorite thing is saying I reviewed The Walking Dead because people are like, the which one? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, one of the six properties that's in development currently right. for yeah. The Walking Dead. Board game. Uh, yeah, no, it's Telltales. The first, the first episode of the final season, which is the fourth season of their adventure game series. Not based on Does that count the spinoff about Michonne or no? No, that's not one of the five. That's in this universe, okay. but it does not count as a season. Because there was always there was also the one that was like 400 days. Yeah, 300 over two yes. days. Yeah, 400 yes. days of summer or whatever. Yeah, that was the one. Right. <laughs> Telltale Games 400 days of summer. Anyway. So, yes, yes you reviewed it. What'd you give it? I gave it a 6.5. Okay. What does that mean? Uh, I believe on our scale it is okay. 
I've gotten yelled at by dancers. Now, does this <laughs> does this perfectly <laughs> in the middle of okay? Yes. Yeah. Now, does this yeah. mean that this this entire season is is garbage time, or does it mean that you reviewed an episode of something that isn't finished yet? <laughs> oh, garbage time is not on our, re- our review rubric, Max. That is not in the okay. No, that's that's a one point seven. That's an internal term. We garbage. Use. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the one point seven. Just the one point seven. Uh, no, so it is it is good. It is good. There's a lot of good stuff in here that they set up for. The biggest issue with this is that we're reviewing an individual episode. Right. That's the biggest issue here. Um, it's a it's a decent start. It starts off with Clementine. She is still with AJ, who is the kid that you picked up in, I believe it was season two. And he's grown up now. And actually, AJ ends up being the most interesting part of this episode. Mm. Um, and specifically, her interactions with AJ and kind of their dynamic. Because this is a kid who has grown up post-Walker, or post-Walker world, right? Like, not post, post normal world whatever we're living in yes so he doesn't know anything about like social norms or politeness or what it means to be a good person and all this because there's no need for that Mm. so clementine is trying to teach him these things and meanwhile he's like but why does it matter (laughs) and it's it's a very strange inverse from where her dynamic was with lee in the original season so it's actually really cool when they go back to that and it's actually really well nuanced and really well done uh where this thing kind of lags is you interact with this school of kids then they've kind of formed their own little Lord of the Flies society thing mm. and there's so much talking and exposition because they're setting things up and trying to kind of prep you for this new season so that's kind of where the 6-5 comes in is it's just not it's a lot of talking it's a lot of watching and not a ton of extra development the watching between. dead exactly. <laughs> I, I always feel like that can be a problem with these episodic games where the first game has to be exciting and snag you immediately but also has to set up so much because they are doing these episodes but they also develop the episodes in a way where they respond to feedback based on the few episodes totally yeah i think just the way this entire video game in quotes uh has rolled out has been really interesting because this the walking dead season one was uh basically runner-up to Journey for IGN's Game of the Year, the yep. year it launched, because at the time there was really nothing like it, and I maintain that that's some of my favorite storytelling mm-hmm. in a video game ever. Whether or not that translates to a fun video game, different debate entirely. Is it a game? I don't care. <laughs> um, but it is, a, it is a product in our medium, in our industry, that we discussed uh, and put alongside such greats as Journey and other things that were released that year. Uh, and I played the second season, or experienced, watched, enjoyed... <laughs> The second season. And then I think it started splintering off and it took mm. too much time. So it's interesting to hear that it's still going and it's completing, but it's it feels like it stumbled a little bit out the gate on its first episode. I don't I wouldn't say it stumbled. I think it's just slow. Like okay. I think it's like just slow. And if I'm having to review this as an individual thing and only look at it from that lens, like it's slow. It's mm-hmm. a very slow thing. It's not bad. It's not necessarily dull because I think it's pretty well done it just takes its sweet time and it kind of reiterates information that you already have so you're like okay yes i mean next thing let's go to be fair like the first episode in most tv show seasons is usually kind of a dud you oh know? yeah like, totally. i mean sometimes they come out the gates you know guns blazing or whatever but if mm-hmm. there's been sort of a lapse in, in sort of what's going on like like pilot episodes of shows are frequently just like you're like oh i'm getting the idea of what this is about you know mm-hmm. it doesn't really you know sink its teeth in until like totally. later on and that's that's how it works. I mean, that's uh, like the the Wire is my favorite TV show of all time, and I try to tell tell people to watch that show, and I'm like, just push past the pilot, you know, which I think we do with video games a lot. We were just saying it earlier, you know, play through the first five hours, and it gets really good and stuff like that. I don't necessarily think though that a pilot is a very good comparison to this because this is the fourth season in. Yeah, sure. Usually yeah. for a pilot a on a TV premiere. show, yeah, yeah, it's basically a proof of concept. Like this is what we want, and they're a mess because they're trying to fit so many elements into one thing as a sliver to get approved for season. Mm-hmm. For this, it's the 
the final season of this thing, they're trying to reach an emotional peak. And I, I think it's just kind of been a gradual build in terms of Clementine's story, and this is supposed to be the culmination of all that. And I do get the sense that a lot of the decisions and interactions you have will eventually pay off. It's just in this, it's a very small snapshot of what they have planned. Well, mm-hmm. And I'm curious how you feel about reviewing an episode of a game that will have five episodes in total for the season. I reviewed season three of this game, and it is always that weird thing where Telltale knows they're releasing this episodic game, but at the same time they plan ahead and release a season pass disc often. Sure. Where it's like, hey, you can get all the episodes right up front as they launch, so you'll immediately get them, or they then sell the complete packages after, knowing people will experience this as one whole thing. The hardest part about it is finding ways to make the reviews different if you're the same person that does all of them throughout the season. Because at a certain point, you can't give away too much because you don't want to spoil things, but at the same time, you can only say combat is this, and this is what the puzzles look like, and here are these characters, and I liked this part, but mm-hmm. I can't Ooh, get specifics. Tough. So mm. it's kind of finding ways to pick up on the themes of that specific episode and maybe relating to how it's tying in with everything else is probably the best way to keep it fresh, but like that's what kind of makes it hard. Do I like it? I like reviewing games. Right. So either so I way, guess, I don't mind it. It's do you like reviewing the first three hours of games? <laughs> did this feel like previewing a game more than it did like yeah. reviewing it? Because you're like, I don't know, you're 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 playing the first chunk of something and being like, here's what I, mean, I make of it. If you chop the review score off of that, would it be like... I mean, I guess so. It's kind of like reviewing TV episodes. I guess my, know, like, my question for you then is sort of like, if you're like me and you lapsed on these games, mm-hmm. like you played through the first two seasons, you liked them. And for the record, I played the first season episodically as it launched, which... which was incredibly sporadic back then. I don't mm-hmm. know if Telltale's like cleaned up that process a little bit and hit hit their their due dates. They definitely have tried two more with recent Good. seasons. Yeah. Um, and then I played I played helpful. two in one sitting on a flight, mm-hmm. and it was a drastically different experience. I enjoyed it a lot a lot more. Yeah. Almost even though I felt the first season was stronger than the second season, being able to sit down and just marathon through it, like mm-hmm. which is the way. I mean, this is it's the way our culture consumes media now you know we sit down on netflix and we binge i mean i think this opens a wider conversation because the last hitman game was episodic mm-hmm. that's not a narrative game like this is right? no so it was more of it almost feels like here's a game here's dlc here's dlc here's dlc here's just like extra content but the first game is really tiny so it's kind of a strange construction anyway and i don't know if this is the best medium to do episodes in necessarily yeah i mean i've actually always wondered that i think that like Years from now, we might look back on this Telltale era and be like, "That was, that was weird." Yeah. <laughs> or we might be like, "That was a great idea," well, and everyone does it now. You it know? it definitely feels like it. They The Walking Dead season one launched this trend and this thing that people are like, "Oh, we need to do episodic gaming and try right. try this approach." And you see different successes and failures. Obviously, we have Life is Strange also coming out. Resident Evil did it. The second season, know, like, Resident Evil. Aforementioned Hitman did it. Like it's interesting to see big companies have tried it. Yeah, but I don't know how many have stuck with it besides Telltale. I mean, it's really funny to see games be like, "Let's be episodic." When TV's like, "Let's do seasons at a time so you can binge them." You know, I was it's just going to ask that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I think there's, I think there's a little bit of a tie-in between those two. You have like Hulu for Runaways season two; they're going to be releasing the entire season all at once. Whereas mm-hmm. for one, they kind of rolled it out episode at a time. So I think it. I don't know. I guess it kind of comes down to choices and like there's, how you like to consume it. There's also the interesting sort of idea that when this game launched, the TV show was sort of at the pinnacle of its zeitgeist and people Mm -hmm. were talking about it constantly and ratings were through the roof. And that has reached obviously a saturation point where I would say only the die hardest of fans are sticking with it. I Mm -hmm. mean, I dipped out a long time ago on on the AMC's The Walking Dead. Um, 
And so when I see this, my brain automatically just sort of pushes it all together. It's just sort yeah. of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of over that whole world. But I feel like there's yeah. probably still cool stories to tell here, so or at least five of them, right? That was something that I kind of struggled with a little bit, too, was like Dan Stapleton, right? The, he, he, we were talking about this before I posted it, and he was like, did you like it? Like, were there really good moments in it? And I'm like, there were good moments, but I feel like with The Walking Dead's storytelling style, we've kind of become desensitized to a lot of it because that shock value just isn't there anymore. Like, how many right. heads have we seen cut off? How many arms have we seen cut off? How many people have we seen turned to zombies? All of that. So it's, you know, and even beyond that, like all the beyond all of the human interactions like how many people have we seen do terrible things to each other in the walking dead like it's kind of i don't know if i'd say it's old but i feel like it's a genre that is kind of struggling to figure out new twists on it i mean yeah and i would say that like the the core sort of tenant in all of this that would even remotely keep me connected to it Mm -hmm. is is clementine yeah. Is, the, is, is her growth in the same way that people are like, well, this is the end of Andrew Lincoln's run on The Walking Dead. Let's see what happens to him. Um, like Clementine as a character who started off where she started off with mm-hmm. Lee, who then grew up to become, become a mentor of her own. I remember, I remember like seeing her hold a gun the first time. Mm. It was like chilling and weird. And you know what's and interesting about that? So you remember that moment when she holds that gun and she's kind of cradling it. Yeah. So in this episode, the very opening scene shows AJ in the backseat of the car playing with a revolver like it's a toy. Like he's just like flipping it and like spinning the uh, the chamber on it mm-hmm. and just like flipping it back and like just you hear this noise like the whole, it's really eerie. And it's like things like that that I think it does really well in showing the inverse of the two. I, d- I, love, I love that aspect that there is something like this in gaming where it can play on after 20 episodes of this game. It mm-hmm. can inverse things and it can support right. your expectations in smart ways. But I had that similar struggle with season three where it's like mm-hmm. how many more stories can you tell in this universe that don't feel like the story you've already told. I mean, like the adage goes, right? Like there's no new stories. There's just new ways of telling them. And in order to do that, you have to zero in on characters. And I think they've done a good job with Clementine in that regard. Yeah. Telltale also exists in a weird space where they don't really, I mean, they obviously, they update their engine mechanics here and there, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, like they put the story first and they don't really have any crazy advancements in terms of how they tell the story. It's, it's still pretty much like they invented a format mm-hmm. or they they popularized a format of this kind of narrative-driven adventure game. Yeah. Uh, and they did that with the first season of The Walking Dead before The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. And then that came through and was it blew everyone away. And now it seems like the rest of the industry is kind of following suit and being like, let's really like, let's really like push strong narrative. Mm-hmm. And they're still like kind of over there, like, you know, making telltale games, you know? And that's not, you know, not to fault them, but like I don't know how you get, you know, new eyes on that. I mean, this is kind of what happens with old directors, you know, like James Cameron's a good example or uh Don't you Ridley, speak ill of that? Sorry. Man. Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you're the Avatar boy. Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh Ridley Scott's a good example of that because what was the last Aliens movie that really blew you away? You know, like a lot of them have been controversial. Yeah. I don't know. What I mean, you're I like about. Alien Covenant had that part where Michael Fassbender comes out and he plays the flute with Michael Fassbender. <laughs> it was the worst part of that movie. I liked a lot of the well, something. Movie what happens movie a lot of the time is you have these creators who create something and it's amazing and it's spectacular and it comes in and it changes stuff and right. it mixes up the game, but then they don't understand what it is about it that made it so special. And so when they continue to do that stuff, mm-hmm. it doesn't evolve. But when you have a fan that takes it and kind of ups it and elevates it, like mm-hmm. that's how it evolves. And well, so I think it's, it's maybe a situation like that. Yeah, and it's a weird recipe, right? Because if mm-hmm. like you look at those games and you go, I want more gameplay, well, then you have like a, sto- a story-driven mm-hmm. third-person shooter, right? Maybe yeah. you have The Last of Us or you have Days Gone. Or you look at something like Days Gone and you're like, I want more story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody's just sort of finding 
finding their right spot there. The yeah. happy medium. Yeah. 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 It, it felt in season one of The Walking Dead, you see that they clearly struggled at first to be like, do we want to be more like an old school adventure game and have a lot more puzzles in here? Or do we want to be about the characters and the story? And obviously they chose that path and have continued down it. Mm-hmm into this final culmination of what will be Clementine's story. Mm-hmm. Do you know if you're, are you planning on reviewing the next couple episodes or? I definitely want to. I haven't mm-hmm. necessarily been confirmed to. But of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Whenever yeah. they release, we'll find out. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can read Cassidy's full review of the first episode of The Walking Dead's final season, episode one, on IGN.com right now. Do that. All in one breath. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a lot of words. I'm proud of you. Moving on, uh, another thing that debuted this week, Spider-Man's launch trailer. Yeah, the game is not out yet, but we got the launch trailer weeks early. Huh. So that yeah. happened. Did you, uh, did you guys watch? Oh, I don't want to watch it at all. What are you doing? Get that out of here. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. Brian, did you watch it yet? No. No. Oh, I, boy, I'm it? sorry. Yeah. This is a surprise. Hey, I'm uh, I'm sold on this game. I'm yeah. good. Stop showing it to me. I did. I you can show it to the. Okay, that. if you're watching this on YouTube, you can put your hand up too. You put your hand in front of the TV. That's what we're doing. It's the optimal viewing experience for a video show. They sold me on this game. I want to play it. I like. I want to play the Spider-Man game. Don't show me any more of it. What Wolverine? Yeah. No way. I'm not looking. Professor X. Batman's in this one. He's in oh everyone. That's the surprise. Mm-hmm. Amazing. He gets a Luke car? Skywalker is in this game. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I'll get to- Ray out of there. Though. Totally no into Ray. It. Uh, no, I'm sold. I'm good. <laughs> Rocco from Rocker's Modern Life. <laughs> Rocker's Modern. Life. Uh, Rocker's Modern. I, That's I a started your store, you madman. It's a great store. I did want to talk about the the idea of oversaturation, especially on these big games. Though, uh, obviously, we are three weeks out or so from the launch of this game, and we're getting the launch trailer. I imagine this will be the last big piece of promotion for. This game? No, probably will not. No, but the last <laughs> one they'll put out to advertisers to get on TV. Yes, yes. totally. Yeah. In heavy rotation. But I'm curious for all of you, sort of, what is that moment of oversaturation of a game? Where when is it too much for a game? Depends on my interest level in it. Yeah. Like with Star Wars movies, like I can see the original teaser, and then I am literally good until the movie comes out. I don't want to see anything else. I was gonna say when when we start getting international cuts mm-hmm. of Star Wars trailers, mm-hmm. and they're like, "There's four more seconds of Finn like waving his arm." I'm like, "Nope." Don't show it to me. I don't want to see any more. That's kind of like trailer reaction culture, too, I think kind of yeah. burns me out on some of this. Yep. I think but. there should be a rule for trailers. I think there should be like an FCC enforced thing where or like MPAA where like you cannot make your trailer from anything but the first act of the movie. Like you mm-hmm. can't go you can't go past the, the, the one third mark, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's just that's it. That's and if you can't sell your movie based on the first half hour or 45 minutes of it, then like you're you don't have a good movie. So what are you doing? Let's make a law that if you're at more than three E3s, your game has to drop $10 for every E3. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, no, like, by your fourth so, E3, yeah, your game yeah. is, is $49.99. By your fifth, it's $39.99. I mean, The Last Guardian would be free. <laughs> <laughs> PlayStation Plus exclusive. Uh, no, I mean, with Spider-Man, obviously it's different from a movie because it is an entire world to explore. And I know that I like I, I played at E3. Like, I, I played... I guess I guess I played the demo, but I kind of didn't want to. I was kind of content with just swinging around and kind of being like, "Oh, this is a nice. This is the world. This is the city. Mm-hmm. I want to see this." But like, uh, I I don't know. There's there's the second I start thinking about it, and I'm sort of like not uninterested, but not excited. Like with Red Dead Redemption, like we've saw we've seen a chunk of that, and I'm like, I know that the second I pick up a controller for that, I'm gonna be like just blown away. Right. I think they've done a pretty good job with the rollout of content on that thing. Yeah. No, yeah. No, yeah. Rockstar is the mm-hmm. best at it. Well, because like they... it was like it was like teaser, screenshots, trailer, trailer, gameplay. Yeah. Goodbye mm-hmm. for yeah. now. Yep. We'll see if there's anything else. I mean, with Spider-Man, for me, it kind of comes down to how much do we know about it? Like, I know what Spider-Man is going to be. It's going to be a fun, well-made, tightly con- tightly constructed action game. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's going to be great. Um, but for something like Death Stranding, 
Nobody so knows what that here's, is. I actually know less about so, it the more I see. Exactly. That is a different Kojima. story. Yeah. Kojima yeah. has almost like the rock star control over hype because he'll like trickle out like stuff and you're like, I don't know what, I don't know, a little <laughs> bit. Like it's like a little bit, a little bit. And then the last thing he drops is like, it shows you like a clip from the final boss fight or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're like, what the, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Is that, like, will that be it's 33 next year? <laughs> Probably. At least, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're getting there. <laughs> Money. Yeah. I, I am curious. It's like though, the so Domino's 30 minutes or less thing. <laughs> Three E3s or, or less. less. It's full price. Uh, with this trailer, for those who have watched it or don't want to watch it without spoiling much, it does you rely largely on footage we've already seen. Uh, the E3 trailer that focused on that raft scene is a big part of it. Uh, some of the preview footage that we've seen. Raphael, the Ninja Turtles in it? Yeah, all of them are. It's New York. Did we ever figure out which villain it was that showed up at the very end of it? Still a mystery. Okay. Uh, there was a voice actor who said they thought it was one of the characters. Oh, which Darth It was Darth Maul. Sure. Uh, which why not at this point? <laughs> We'll see if that works out. But there is something about this trailer that I did want to post all of you, at least on a story level, without spoiling what happens in the trailer if you don't want to know. Miles Morales is in the trailer a lot, in both the beginning and end of the trailer. And his relationship with Spidey is heavily implied in that trailer as being key to this game. Good. Especially if this is the launch trailer. Do you think he'll be playable? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gwen so Stacy is playable, right? Uh, Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Mary, whatever. Gwen the, whatever uh, love interest of the week it is. Gwen Stacy's actually playable every time you die. It was like the Nathan Drake <laughs> slow motion thing. Is, Gwen, no! If, if uh, Mary Jane is playable, then yeah, I yeah. think 100% we'll be able to play well, with him. That first, that first trailer we got, the whole sort of like helicopter chase through the city, it ends and it camera pans down and it's like just shows Miles front and center. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, Sony has a movie about Miles Morales coming out this holiday season. Mm -hmm. Certainly so doesn't hurt. It yeah. kind of makes sense that Sony, <laughs> yeah. who's putting this game out, would maybe want to raise awareness of Miles Morales. So there's one thing about that. Do you think you'll play him, though, as a Spider-Man? Or will he just be a civilian maybe at, like, who you the have very to help end. out? Yeah. I, he'll probably be a civilian, like kind of, all right, Peter, you go do that, and I'm going to go over here and get these guys. <laughs> I hope, I hope we play him as a Spider-Man. Yeah, I want to be, be playing great. as a lot of the Spider-Man when I buy the Spider-Man. I know there's time, some other stuff, but... Every time we Spider talk about Spider-Man, I think about Kimmy Schmidt season one where they do for Spider-Man 2, Too Many Spider-Men. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that's a deep cut. Someone out there is going to appreciate play. that. But yeah. every, every that little little unknown Netflix season. Yeah. Is now in its fourth, <laughs> now in yeah. its fourth season or whatever. <laughs> Um, what the Venn diagram is with our audience. I could I could totally anyway. see them doing like a like a Last of Us kind of thing where I don't know like Spider Man gets hit by a truck or something. <laughs> Miles is like, Peter, Peter, I'm gonna go get you some water, and then you gotta go around with a bow and arrow into a and mall, kill the shocker. <laughs> like, I, don't know. I, I I I would love this is so dumb, but I would love if there was an area where there was just like a bunch of PlayStation exclusive crossovers. Like Nathan Drake is climbing a wall and Spider-Man just zips up and he's like, how the f*** did he do that? <laughs> Sir, please get down from there. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> Hurting everyone else. And then he smiles at the camera and walks away. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think they're hiding a lot about this game, which is nice. But having the launch trailer out this early, I'm wary of them showing too much more of this game. I just want to play it. I just want to know how it is. Mm -hmm. But we'll know on September 7th, so yep. not too far away. Yep. In the meantime, we just talked about it for a while, so... There's, There's that, that game. Yeah, Spider-Man. Well, that killed some time until Spider-Man's out. That's always good. That's true. That's the number one way to kill time. It's like talk, talk about Spider-Man. Spider it's like literally a lot of our job description is to be like, hey, how about that game that's really showed at E3? When do you think that's going to come out? Is that anything going on there? That's another mm -hmm. five minutes closer to Spider-Man. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we did. We did it. So what's Three out this E3s or more and the pizza's free. <laughs> uh, out this week is... There's quite a bit on the drop from the PlayStation blog, but one game was put on this list. I don't know who put it here specifically. Who, who, who shouted? I assume Cassidy. Uh, Max, what's doggone golfing? 
What is doggone golfing, you ask? Well, it's let me tell you, it's not just someone who's outraged at golfing the sport. It's about dogs going golfing. They, but they decided that wasn't enough of a silly name, so they called it doggone golfing. Oh, they, they're they going golfing? I thought it was like missing dogs that were golfing. Like it's not, dog it's gone. <laughs> gone, dog gone. <laughs> <laughs> like gone days gone. gone. <laughs> just a dog oh, gone. No, no, no this is a game, it's a, ga- a game about golf uh, that is played by dogs. What about days gone golfing? Days okay. gone golf. Ooh, I'd play that would be again. great. Yeah, yeah. If you, motorcycle like, golf. Yeah, you hit your golf ball no. in a trash can. A bunch the dogs of things come out and kill you. <laughs> dogs are the draw here. So what no. if you're playing the golf on the bike in Days Gone? A little bit of bike chat for you. No, if the dog's no? riding the bike, then I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Motorcycle golf could be a good game. Anyway, it's uh, it's August, <laughs> so that's where. Oh, look at that! It's dog on golf. We got <gasps> dog on golf, and the dogs are hitting the golf pucks. This is a video show exclusive. You so like if you're a listening to the audio. For like two yeah. Apologies. It's mm-hmm. about all the shout casting I got in me. <laughs> Something <laughs> pops up. This is cute. Yeah. No. Uh, there's a handful of like little games out this this week, and I mean it's stuff that I think you know already exists on Steam. So if you want to get a sense of uh, you know how what people think of it or check it out in action, it's always sort of nice to have that. But at the same time, there's also you know less hype if. Uh, what are they hitting? Oh, it looks like a hockey it. puck. Instead of a birdie, it's a barky. That's what Aww. they call it. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, all right, I've seen so this. Yeah. yeah. This you can stop showing gone, this now. Dog gone golfing. You're Look spoiling it too yep. much. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen too much. You're <laughs> killing my hype for dog gone golfing. <laughs> um, uh, before we end the show, after that little bit of dog gone golfing talk, a uh, couple quick questions of rapid fire and then one final surprise for the yeah. audience at home. Uh, one question from Jonathan Mound. I didn't pick it just because I'm also named Jonathan. What's the future looking like for PSVR at this point? <laughs> Whoa, that was I mean, telling for this audience. <laughs> I, I think Max, that, you and I have. We, yeah, we, we we both own our own PSVR units. I mean, they've been. I they've bought been, one at launch. Yeah. It's got some in, incredible games on it, and they're continuing to make big releases. Uh, we're actually going to see Firewall Zero Hour, one of their first-person shooter sort of squad games, soon. So I, they are still. I played that at PSX, and it's it's really cool. From what I played, it felt like kind of a sort of almost a streamlined uh, like Rainbow Six Siege. It's like mm-hmm. more laser tag if you want to be reductive. Uh, it's. You know, it's it works surprisingly well, but again, that's in like controlled scenario where it's uh, you know eight PSVR setups all hooked together. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of the, the big budget stuff is is like leaning on that multiplayer angle, and that's that requires you to find a bunch of people who have PSVR headsets. It honestly have, reminds me. No, you won't care. I, I have a lot of thoughts about VR that would extend long beyond a rapid fire segment, but I think. This is very much tied into the rest of VR culture and whole as a whole, where it's just very limited. There's a ceiling on that thing, and until it's cheaper, and until it's easier to develop for, and until it's not, you don't need a full size gym in order to play it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to pick up. Um, I think it's a cool little niche thing for now, and like I think there's really cool stuff that's happening within it, but I don't see it blowing up to the size of console gaming as it is right now. I think PSVR is going to be looked back on in the same way, and don't get mad at me for this, um, that people look on the Wii U. And uh, that it's very memorable, and it had a decent amount of really interesting first, second, and third party games, um, plus like a, a a good amount of indie games that really kept it afloat. But largely, it didn't completely connect with its audience. That said, um, Nintendo Switch would not be where it is today without the Wii U being the sort of the blueprints for it. So I do think that Sony will not give up on VR. I think PSVR two will connect a lot more with people. Um, whether or not people who bought the first one will jump in, we'll see. But I think I think there's something there. And I think that a lot of the things that you mentioned, Cass, are absolutely true. I know that just for me, like just the idea of like 
kind of reaching into my my entertainment center and untangling it and turning it on and putting it on my head. Uh, if even that was five seconds snappier, mm-hmm. I would do it more often. I've talked about this before, and people are like, "It's not hard," and I'm like, "No, you're not. You're not wrong." But it's like it is a tiny little hurdle, and each one of those adds up when you're just trying to come home after a long day and, and relax. Frankly, VR for me at least still is like an attraction. Like mm. I go to a, a show and I'm like, oh cool, I get to demo this game. I never want to play that at home, but it's really cool when I'm like mm-hmm. out and just here's a cool thing for 20 minutes. Um, and until they can kind of answer the question of why should I do this and like how is it giving me anything beyond just like here's a cool shooting mm-hmm. gallery, but you're in it this time instead of just watching it. I do, I do think the from the jump, the move controller thing mm. was a, was a bad half measure. I yeah. think right off the bat, not having a dedicated controller to this thing, like it is, it is antithetical to the idea that this is a futuristic, revolutionary new way to play video games that is also married to controllers from five years ago that were so, tied to jumping on a trend. And you yeah, also yeah. Look that, like that a weird... charge differently through a different input than other parts of your. You your look PS4. like a weird Tron cosplayer whenever you it have l- the whole yeah. thing outfitted. So it looks like a zucchini you, with a car- with a clown's nose. You compare <laughs> you compare the like the PSVR games to Wii games. Uh, and I wonder if maybe with PSVR kind of like launching and with this sort of like this kind of lopsided rolling start and using sort of older hardware in there, uh, I wonder if maybe Sony's taking sort of a, a cue from Nintendo and maybe launching with hardware that isn't fine-tuned. They already did that once. They put out the second one that was like, hey, uh, sorry, we had the... You had to use the old-fashioned cable to charge the con- charge the controllers, uh, and it was you know the weird stuff like the headphone jack was in an odd place. Like they basically they've already put out a second iteration of this thing, but I wonder if they're kind of like, like remember the first 3ds, right? That like god awful clamshell th- or not clamshell thing that was the, like, kind of the lumpy. layer cake, the yeah. layer cake, mm-hmm. and then of course there was the fact that the Wii U was kind of like a really janky version of a Switch. Yep. I, I mean, I wonder if they're maybe taking a hint from that and being like, if you kind of take this leap of faith and you get you know you put this thing out in the wild you can actually kind of take some like really broad feedback about what works well, and what doesn't yeah, and totally. and if it is something they are committed to going forward why not have that as part of the PS5's launch and show that this is a core part of the PlayStation rather yeah. than I just also a, think this extends now. this extends way beyond PlayStation like i think this is just VR in general oh, yeah. no you're like, totally right like i think yeah. it's just a much you're bigger totally question right. yeah. um i and if if we sound like inherently negative here i do want to clarify that i've had some of my favorite video game experiences on PSVR. Um, I got too scared to finish Resident Evil 7 through it. That is one of the most incredible ways to experience a video game this generation. I will say stuff like Arkham VR was really brilliant. There was a lot of stuff like even like the sh- that Shark Tank demo thing. Super cool stuff to show to people at parties. A lot of those things didn't really maintain momentum or don't really last past a 45-minute experience. Hearing that the Resident Evil 2 remake has no VR stuff in it whatsoever is far more damning than anything we could say on this show, because I think that's a major third-party company uh, mm-hmm. not attaching themselves to what you know a few years ago would have seemed like the right idea to do. And so I hope there's a sh- shelf life for a long time. I hope it gets sort of like a second win through a price drop or maybe a redesign. I think there's something there. Just I don't think it's there yet. Put out yeah. a little breakout box that lets it hook up to PC. Like let people screw around with it on PC. Just mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah. like they don't really do phones anymore. But if they were to do something with mobile, that would make more sense to me. Yeah. Like, Mobile's Amazon been a big, big place big, for VR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it'll be very curious to see where it goes. Uh, before we begin with a couple other questions, I've decided to add some danger into the mix. Oh boy! Courtesy of Max. This cursed box. These are Russian roulette <laughs> cookies. Two of these cookies, I assume, two out of the twelve cookies have a skull in them, mm-hmm. or they're very spicy, one or the other. Uh, we're going to test these out and find out as I open these up. I'm going to start with one of the other questions. This now, was given to us by uh, Beyond Superfans at PSX. 
Yes, and we've okay, been awesome. we've been holding off for a special occasion. We figured a very slow news week Thank in you, August. Thank you, Sarah. You're going to be, hurt us. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Sorry, Cass. Uh, so yeah. Take. Uh, these apparently will all look the same. I imagine if one of them was bright red, that wouldn't really I'll give it help away at all. a little bit. But yeah, uh, look at the little there's pop a, top. There's a hole in the nice little tab. That's scary. There's also that. Like there's a yeah. pet. Like there's a dog <laughs> in there. We will try to be mindful of our audio listeners and of not course. directly into the microphone like we did we, like with the ham. We, 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 people love the ham episode. <laughs> it's the favorite the episode. episode. The okay. Who, okay. So oh. these are all packaged individually. That's so okay. Japanese. So please take one. All right. And test it out. They all look the same, as far as I can tell. Before your first bite, apologies for all the crackling. Uh, Israel Beltran asks, what song would you like to play every time you walk in a room? Uh, don't answer until you've taken a bite and let me right. know if okay, you're wait, starting wait, to wait, die. Wait, 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 wait. All right, you ready? All right. Uh, already damn eating. it, Brian. Brian already won. All right, cheers. All right, let's go. I'm doing good. I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm so afraid. It's not spicy. I, I, I do not want this. Nothing bad so what far. What if we all dodged a bullet? I've always wondered what it's like to eat chalk. That's actually a pretty good cookie. That's like a Sarah, a Sarah Dane. It's not bad. I'm gonna Lorna Sarah, Dune. Lorna Dane. Lorna Dune. <laughs> Sarah Dane. I don't know Sarah Dane. Sweets these days, but I, I enjoy that one. Nobody. That was okay. it? Nope. All right. Second round. Uh, also, please answer the question as we go forward. What song oh. would you like to have enter? Les uh, Baxter's you... Peking Tiger. It's an old like weird. I could. Yeah, that's my ringtone. This one. Right. Um, this one looks scarier. <laughs> Cheers, you funky donkeys. Probably my own worst enemy by Lit. Ooh, that's a good choice. <laughs> Mm, nothing yet. Did anyone? Cass? No. No? Oh, I got it. Oh, you did? <laughs> I got it. How is Good. it? How bad is it? It's nice. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I think, being, I think being off sweets has kind of ruined you a little I bit. I got, wait. Ooh. That's settling in Did you get it warm. too, Max? Yes, I got it. What's it like? <laughs> we found the two. The rest oh, it's like a little hug on the tongue. This is this sucks, Max, because you and I are like the most <laughs> yeah. sensitized. We put it like habanero hell hot Wait, sauce can I everything. Can I take yeah, a bite totally. of it? Yeah, let me see what happens. Try are you sensitive to okay, spicy stuff? You. Probably. It's, it's like spicy-ish. It had only one skull. So, Oh, yeah. Nope, that immediately hit. Oh, boy. This actually says, it, what is it? Oh, two out of 12 are, are the skull. Yeah. We got the winners of the cooking contest. I enjoyed Ooh, that. Boy. That's nice. That's uh, pleasant. Brian, what song would you want to play when you enter? What was the question again? I was so focused on having cookies. Fair enough. Uh, Israel Beltran asks, what song would you like to play every time you enter a room? Ooh. Um, oh, boy, I just swallowed. Are you all right? I just swallowed are you okay a over lot there? of the spice. We're good. Oh, he's not good at this. Maybe the boys are back in town, <laughs> and it's <laughs> <boys>. just me. <laughs> and people are like, where are the rest? Of those boys. Mine is hands down by Dashboard and Confessional, not because I'm just starting to cry, but because I'm an evil oh. boy. I'm doing all right. Finish strong. I'm going to do more. Oh, boy. I, uh, I ate my whole spicy cookie. I'm good to go over here. Nick Zaterin asks, burrito or burger? Zatarans. Zatarans? Um, I had a burrito yesterday and a burrito the day before that. So probably a burger right now, honestly. You okay? I'm doing all right. I've been watching a lot of like hot, uh, the hot wing shows where they eat the hot sauce yeah. on YouTube. So this is just not. Definitely gets you right in the throat. It's got a real prickler oh down there. Yeah, I, I felt like I coughed it up. Real spicy, I really did. spiky I sensation. Uh, I, will, I will rate that nine out of 10 skulls. Casparito burger. <laughs> they are both equally wonderful. I think right now in this moment, I could totally murder an avocado burger. Oh, that's mm. so California. That sounds delicious. Uh, I will Brent. say that a um, a bad burrito is way worse than a bad burger. That's, it is when yeah. you screw up a burrito, it is mm. catastrophic. Yeah, like it is just like this. It falls apart. Like even the worst burgers I've ever had, I've been like, okay, it's a bun, it's questionable meat, and it's like neon orange cheese that you know somehow 
clung to it. But bad burritos are pathetic. Yeah. I, the way I they live, fall apart. I live like a block from a taqueria that's so bad. I got the I got a burrito there once and I was like, it's a super burrito. How bad can it be? And I'm like, yeah, just you know, put the things on it, whatever. It was mostly sour cream and pickled jalapenos. Mm. Oh. Oh. Like to the point no. where you bit into it and it's just like it's just creamy and crunchy at the same time. <laughs> oh no. Like real, their guy Fieri. really bad. Oh. creamy, crunchy, kind of chewy. Um, but no, like just even out of sheer convenience, the fact that I haven't gone back there once is like, that's a, it's pretty damning, pretty bad. I kind of yeah. want to go back and be like, listen, mm. last time you, you did bad, do it again. And don't do it so bad this time. I have a tip for you. Don't get sour cream or pickled jalapenos and maybe you'll be I right. get everything. Yeah. I didn't think that would include mostly sour cream and pickled <laughs> jalapenos. You say you I'm put it in there man. until it looks like it wants to die. That's <laughs> how I order burritos. Jonathan, uh, I like how we've secretly like piloted a a five-minute food show. Yeah, this is great. Beyond this. Yeah, this is a great show we have. Uh, look forward to more of this because, oh, boy, this is not great. <laughs> I'm glad I got uh, the spicy cookie. That was good. Thank you all so much for those questions. They come from the Facebook Beyond group. That's facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. You can go there, join those wonderful people, and ask questions every week. Are you all right from the spice? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Doing all right. Uh, Brian, where, where can people find you? Me? Yeah. You yeah, where, where are you on Twitter? Talking? No, I'm good. No, just... <laughs> Where can people find uh, you can find me on Twitter at Agent Bizzle. You can also check out my other shows here, NVC, those dastardly idiots over there who I will fight, uh, as well as Up at Noon with Max, which we do every Thursday at noon, Pacific time, 12 p.m., IGN. Yeah, we, we unbox like ice cream and play with Hot Wheels and do all sorts yeah. of micro machines tricks. It's I don't an know idiot's program. Yeah, coming up this week, we're interviewing the inventor of the tech deck. What? Ooh. That's not true at all. No, it's not oh, true that would be all. great. People, people got really excited about that. Yeah, I was excited. Max, where can people find you other than Up at Noon? Uh, just on Max Scoville. You can also check out uh, Feature and video I just did, which is called Death Stranding, 12 Things to Watch and Read While You're Waiting. And it's basically my old show, Study Hall, but uh, legally, no, it's not. <laughs> and Cassidy, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at Cassidy Moser. That's two S's and two E's. It's spelled weird. Blame my mom. Uh, I am on the social team here. And you can go check out all the garbage that we make on there every day. Um, all the fun memes and the good times and the laughs. And the, the dank memes. memes. Yeah. You can find me at Twitter, at JM Dornbush, not at Twitter, on Twitter, at JM Dornbush, and in the kitchen where I'm going to get milk to help my throat. <laughs> that has been Beyond, episode 555. Don't forget, you can see Beyond every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on beyond.ign.com for a full 24 hours before it airs anywhere else, so be sure to come there every week. And with that, Beyond. Wait. Beyond. You have more spicy challenges. You can send them to <laughs> Beyond, care of IGN at 625 2nd Street. Fourth floor, San Francisco, California, 94107. Please actually do send them. Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Beyond. Beyond.